Hey, this is Holden Kushner. Be sure to check out my new podcast, the Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angle on all Denver teams, all angles. If you're from Denver or a fan of Denver or Colorado or just a fan of Denver sports teams or a fan of betting in general and you want to become a sharper better, well, this is the podcast for you. So subscribe, follow, and listen to the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey, it's Holden from Veasan. It is the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Got a interesting show for you today. I can't say that anybody should be feeling very good if you're a fan of the Broncos. So I'm going to break them down where we are today. We'll catch up with Jonathan Van Tobel from VEASAN, go around the day in the NFL, and talk a little nuggets too because they got a game against the Mavericks coming up on Monday night. And then an AFC West report because this division is an absolute debacle, but the Chiefs have won three in a row, and I wonder if they're about to turn the corner. But let's talk about where we are today with this Broncos team. Bottom of the AFC West. You've got a player that called out a coaching staff and later went back on his comments. We'll get into that. A quarterback that refuses to tackle an opponent who went on to close out the game with his return for a touchdown. It's disappointing. It's very disappointing. I'm sure a lot of Broncos fans are angry. And you look at it, though, it's interesting. As much as this team has underperformed, many would say, I kind of feel like they have performed to expectation. There's only two teams in this division that have a plus net point ratio, which means all the games you played this year, if you've outscored your opponent. So, for example, the Broncos have still outscored their opponents 200 to 183. That's plus 17. Raiders have been outscored by 20. Chargers have been outscored by 9. Chiefs have outscored their opponents by 21 now after that big lead last night. We look at it. Chiefs 6-4. and four. Chargers, Raiders 5-4, and four, Broncos at 5-5. Five and five. Let's start with the issues from yesterday's loss, though. Personally, I wasn't buying it. I didn't think that the Broncos were soft enough or weak-minded enough or this coaching staff was actually bad enough. Well, I thought the coaching staff was bad. I didn't think they were bad enough where they would feel so good about their win over the Cowboys that they would take this Eagles team a little lighter than they should have. And why do I think that? Well, I talked to a couple of Broncos beat reporters and they both said, this team kind of is acting like they're feeling really good about themselves. So that's not good. It's, listen, it's bad when good teams feel great about themselves, go into a game and really don't have the focus that they were supposed to. But it's awful when a mediocre team does it. This team had no reason whatsoever to have the letdown that they had yesterday, to have the letdown that they had last week coming into this game. So where did it start? I think it started in the run game, the run defense. They gave up 214 yards rushing. That is absolutely embarrassing. And I said this coming into the game, though. I felt that the two running games were going to be the reason why these games went under, this game went under. The total was 45 and a half. This is a betting show first. So again, I recommended under 45 and a half. I was very uncomfortable after the first half, but the second half slowed down. The Eagles decided to run on a Denver defense that struggles to stop the run. Many injuries to inside linebackers. I get that, but also you've just got to tackle better and you can't be this bad against the run. 214 rushing yards. Are you kidding me? The interesting comment after this game, though, was Draymond Jones saying it was a combination of us not executing and coaching. So I know Andrew Mason, who covers the team, he said shots fired. And I said to myself, is it really a shot fired? Maybe it's just him telling the truth more than anything else. So Jones heard some, I guess, feedback on this. And he came out on Twitter and he said, Vic Fangio is a damn good coach. And he should be respected as such. He's not a damn good head coach. He's not a good head coach. He's a 17 and 25 head coach. 
And while I understand that there have been some major quarterback issues here, the bottom line is that he's 17 and 25. And he is not good coaching at home. So maybe he's a damn good coordinator, but Vic Fangio is not a damn good coach and does not deserve to be respected as a damn good head coach because he's just not. It was bad execution. No question. Poor execution. But is all of the offensive struggles going to be on the players here? No. I mean, you. we love to rip Shermer, Pat Shermer. And I read an article where yeah, they really missed him. But, you know, the play calling, again, a question mark. We question it with Shermer. I think we got a question it this week. It just looked completely disjointed. The only thing that I liked about the play calling is that Javante Williams had 53% of the snaps and Melvin Gordon had 47% of the snaps. And despite the fact that I'm a fan of Melvin Gordon, it's Javante time. Defensively, again, this coaching staff just cannot stop a mobile quarterback, an RPO quarterback. They can't do it. So a damn good coach would, after this many games against mobile quarterbacks, figure out how to stop it. He still, his, his staff still has no idea how to stop it. Jalen Hurts had 14 carries for 53 yards, including that big 31-yarder. So if you're sitting here playing back trying to contain, and a guy still breaks a 31-yarder, and Boston Scott drops a 23-yard rush, and Jordan Howard drops a 25-yard rush, then something's wrong. It's not only the players, it's the scheme, it is the coaching, and that is why Vic Fangio is not a good head coach. Another reason why you can't be the head coach Take the stage one week, blame your offensive coordinator. The next week, go out, shock the world, stop Dallas with a game plan, by the way. The head coach decided to brag about, I came up with, I did the game plan. I did the coaching staff. We did it. They're feeling themselves because the head coach was feeling himself. You can't. You can't do that when you're a mediocre team. Good teams, great teams, okay, they can have letdowns. This team can't have letdowns. They had one, they're in a lot of trouble. Okay? Now, we'll hear this all the time. Let's fire the coaching staff now. Let's fire Vic Fangio. Let's fire Sher. Let's fire everybody. It doesn't matter right now. The season isn't going to turn around without Fangio and without Shermer. Maybe you get an extra loss or two and you get a better draft pick. And that's unfortunately really where we are right now. Fangio, not that good a coach at all. Not a good head coach at all. And look at what they've done at home. First of all, they come out slow, don't they? We've seen this over and over again. They have come out slow. Time and time and time again. Of course, I was on the two times when in the first quarters, they decided to show up these last two games. And now this week, I get off the first quarter bet. They're outscored by the Eagles 10-0. Didn't even have the ball in the first half, basically. So that's frustrating. That's very, 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 very frustrating. 1-20 and when trailing at halftime under Fangio. So they come out slow and they don't make the right adjustments when they're down at halftime. So, Draymond, I know you're just trying to protect your coach and go back on what you said, but here's the facts. The facts is Vic Fangio, not a good head coach, and we've known that. And Shermer, not a good head coach. Is he a good offensive coordinator? Probably not. No. Nine losses in their last 13 home games. It was nice because they had 11,000 no-shows for that Washington game. Only 6,000. 6,200 no show. So they got 5,000 more butts in the seats this week. Unfortunately, it just didn't help them. A couple other things to get to. And yes, I still got to get to Teddy Bridgewater. Let me talk about the running game real quick. Melvin Gordon, two fumbles in his last 34 touches. I love the guy. I love the fact he has a nose for the end zone. That is why I bet a Melvin Gordon anytime touchdown. And my guy from the Philadelphia City cast, Ryan Rothstein, came on. And he said, hey, let's go with Hertz over 47 and a half yards. He's going to run. The Broncos can't stop him. I said, great. I don't think the Eagles can stop Melvin Gordon from getting into the end zone. This is three straight for him. 
but two fumbles in his last 34 touches. The fumble on Sunday was the one that did this team in. But Javante is just the more explosive back. It's just too simple to see. It's nice to see he got more snaps yesterday, but eight carries, 48 yards. Melvin Gordon, nine for 45 and a touchdown. And then you look at it in the passing game. I, I felt personally that Williams should have been more involved in the passing game. Just three targets, two catches for a yard. You know, Melvin Gordon, they come out. And what kind of game plan is this? Let's just throw to Melvin Gordon behind the line of scrimmage two of our first three plays. Did not make sense whatsoever. But it is Javante time. We've seen enough Melvin Gordon. I think we're going to start seeing this almost 60% to 40%. At some point in time, toward the end of this season, it would be nice to see two-thirds of the snaps consistently going to Javante Williams. He's just more explosive. Again, Coming from a Melvin Gordon fan, I like this guy a lot. I still think he's talented. He's a talented backup on this team. And then we get into Teddy Bridgewater. Hmm. He did Olay, Darius Lay. So, if you haven't seen the play yet, and I don't know why you wouldn't, or you haven't at least heard the play or heard about the play, Gordon fumbles. That's the second fumble in 34 touches. And Slay picks the ball up. He's running back. And he's running down the left sideline. And Teddy Bridgewater, <laughs> legit, gave up on the play. Just gave up. No resistance whatsoever. As a matter of fact, he made it more difficult to tackle Slay because the Olay that he had just walking there and faking that he was actually going to make a move, Albert O couldn't make a play because of it. And there's GIFs all over the internet, GIFs, GIFs, whatever you want to call it, all over the internet showing Peyton Manning laying out for a tackle when he was with the Broncos multiple times. And you're telling me Teddy Bridgewater can't at least stick a left arm out and try and slow Darius lay down so his teammates can track him down? No, he couldn't. He couldn't. And here's the thing that really, really should upset Broncos fans. He actually gets on the podium. He's asked about not trying to tackle Slay, which, by the way, if he makes that tackle or if he tries and one of his teammates make that tackle, maybe they force a field goal instead of a touchdown. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe they actually force a turnover. But that was the game right there. The Gordon, we should be more, uh, Melvin Gordon should be more accountable and then Teddy Bridgewater on that play because Melvin was the one that put the ball on the ground. But for Teddy Bridgewater, after the game, to come out and say he's taught to force the runner toward the sideline and say that that was his excuse, that was his excuse, well, I'm taught to force the runner toward the sideline. He did exactly the opposite. He did not force Darius Slay toward the sideline. He actually allowed Darius Slay to cut back inside and get to the end zone. And while he did that, Alberto couldn't make a play. Absolutely amazing. Yes, Teddy Bridgewater should be held accountable. A whole bunch. That, I don't want to say that's going to be his legacy as the Broncos quarterback, but a lot of people are going to remember him for that. Giving up on a play in a game that you need to win to keep your playoff hopes alive. And he decided to take off. So disappointed. So disappointing in what we saw from Teddy Bridgewater yesterday. Thoughts on the bye week still to come. Jonathan Van Tobel from VEASAN. We're going to run down this past week in the NFL. Talk a little Nuggets Mavericks as well. Stick around here. It's the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Being a homer has its perks at Bet River Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet River Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet River Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. The VEASAN Mid-Season Football Special is here. Put the VEASAN betting experts to work for you from now through February for only $99. Daily best bet emails, 24-7 video streaming, 
betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in-depth data and analysis on vsin.com. Sign up today at vsin.com slash subscribe and get everything we have to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. It's Holden with VEASAN, Denver CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. And uh, I'm happy to have JVT, Jonathan Van Tobel, on with us, senior NBA analyst with VEASAN. But, of course, you can catch him doing a whole bunch of NFL stuff, too. Thank you very much for the time, Jonathan. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing good. Had a good contest week in the Super Contest, trying to maintain pace, right? It's a long season now, especially with an extra week. So, uh, so far, so good, you know? Talk to me. What was going on in the Super Contest? How'd you do this week? You said you did decent. So what was the breakdown? So I'm, I'm sitting on three and one right now. I've got uh, the 49ers on Monday night catching four points. Uh, but the New England Patriots uh, didn't even have to sweat that out. That took care of business in a big way. Uh, Minnesota Vikings get the outright win as an underdog as well. Uh, lost with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, but, you know, in the mornings too, uh, the Saints get in the back door against the Tennessee Titans. So, you know, had a, had a little luck, which you need in a big contest like that over the course of 18 weeks. So, so far, so good and kind of climbing up the standings, you know? Yeah, it's good to hear, man. We need the Visa guys up there. Yeah. Uh, you did not have to sit through the Broncos game yesterday is all I can tell you. Yeah. My goodness, man, it is, it's rough sledding out here. You got Teddy Bridgewater not tackling guys. You got a 500 football team. I want to talk to you about the AFC West real quick and just some thoughts there because there's two teams that have outscored their opponents here. It's the Chiefs and the Broncos, but I think we know what the Broncos are. Then you get the Chargers and you've got the Raiders there. Let's start at the top. Uh, do you think the Chiefs actually got their swagger back last night or was it horrible game planning defensively where everybody's playing two safeties back and they decided to just play cover three? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a mixture of both, right? Like, I think those things can be true. If you're talking about from the Kansas City perspective, this is their third straight win. And while in the first two wins, their offense didn't really look that great, you know, it finally breaks out against a lesser defensive opponent in the Las Vegas Raiders, who, as you mentioned, right, were blitzing, leaving the middle of the open field, letting Travis Kelsey just absolutely destroy them, putting DBs on him as opposed to linebackers. They don't have good enough linebackers to cover him. So I think we've started to see this slow burn with Kansas City, where they're slowly starting to make their way toward their usual ways. All of a sudden, their offense now catches fire, and it's Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey who have pretty good days for them on Sunday night football. So I think the Chiefs are trying to starting to finally find their footing here. They get a big test now coming up next week, right, against the Dallas Cowboys. I think that's where we really find out if they've legitimately found something. But I'll say this. The thing that has bothered me with Kansas City, you know, the book is out on how to defend Patrick Mahomes. Not that he's been figured out, but teams aren't blitzing him anymore. I was surprised the Raiders were doing it as much. It's a career low in terms of percentage of dropbacks he's been blitzed on. He's a master against the blitz, but when he's not, he tends to create a lot of havoc with those turnover-worthy plays, and they've really caught up to him. So I think this weekend's the legitimate test, right, against a really good Dallas Cowboys team. Yeah, and then you got the, the Chargers that are sitting there. Yep. It's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. They're, they're terrific out of the gate. They go 3-1. and one. You know, Staley's a genius. Now yesterday, a couple of quizzical calls, right? Herbert's not as effective as he's been. They're stopping the run a little better. But the fact that Kirk Cousins looked as good as he did yesterday, I'm concerned about the Chargers going forward, really, for the first time. I thought they could stay in all these games, but that was just an atrocious loss yesterday. Yeah, I would agree. And, I, you know, what was more troubling to me was, you know, one of the things that I've been kind of riding uh, the train against the Chargers, right, had the Vikings uh, both in an actual bet and in the Super Contest this past weekend, was big on the Patriots when they played them a couple of weeks ago as well. It's just that this Chargers team, from a defensive standpoint, they're bottom of the league in terms of their run defense, right? 28th or lower in multiple defensive metrics mm -hmm. against the run. The troubling part about yesterday was, the Vikings only averaged 3.1 yards per carry, and Kirk Cousins picked them apart. And, and, like, that's kind of the problem. And to your point, too, Herbert is starting to regress a little bit. His average depth of target is starting to decline week by week. The plays are not as explosive. Yesterday, if you look at the numbers uh, from, like, a breakdown of where he was throwing the ball, he didn't have a single attempt at 20 or more yards downfield. So all of a sudden, it's becoming this passive offense for the Los Angeles Chargers. I agree with you. Like, there's some problems here for the Chargers overall. Like, you don't want to punt on Staley, just like you didn't want to enshrine him in the Hall of Fame in the first five weeks. Uh, but they definitely have some things to figure out especially on the defensive end yeah and then the Raiders I mean I, I really think this is kind of the beginning of the end for them yep it was nice to see them come out they beat the Broncos well <laughs> if you bet the Raiders it was nice to see them come out cover that number 
after the Gruden thing, but now it's Gruden, it's Ruggs, it's personally a lack of talent offensively, especially in the passing game without Ruggs. I don't see the Raiders going anywhere from here on out. And as a matter of fact, JVT, I think they finished below the Broncos in the standings. Are you as down on your team in your backyard as I am? Yeah, I would say so. And like they have a history of doing this too, right? You mentioned the Chargers. We've seen multiple times where the Raiders get off to a six and three start and finish eight and eight, especially in the John Gruden era, although we're past that now. And like just look at the wins that they have had up to this point, right? Like you're talking about Pittsburgh, Miami, getting Philadelphia at home. Like you kind of saw this coming to a certain extent. Their pass rush is not as good as it actually statistically is because they've taken on a lot of bad offensive lines. And you were kind of waiting for this shoe to drop in terms of this defense showing its true colors. And it did in a big way Sunday night against Kansas City. So I would agree with you. I think the one thing that would keep them from falling that far, I think this offense is legitimately solid, right? Like Derek Carr's a really solid quarterback. He's one of the better quarterbacks this year in terms of balls downfield. He's got legitimate skill position players too outside of the losses that he's already maintained. So maybe that keeps them afloat in the range of like 500 or 9 and 8. But I think you're right on where this is going to be a tumultuous fall down the standings. And I think it starts now. I always like getting thoughts from the national guys about the local team here with the Broncos. The coaching staff's a disaster. A quarterback is mercurial to say the least. And now they can't stop the run. Thoughts overall on the Broncos and really the Broncos going forward. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. The one thing that bothers me, the Broncos, like yesterday, again, uh, when you're talking about Vic Fangio electing to kick another field goal inside of the five yard line and and that thing gets blocked, like you kind of deserve it to that extent. Right. And and I agree, like the the coaching decisions at times hold them back. Uh, We know that defensively they're not as good. And Teddy Bridgewater, it's a great word for him because you see him against the Denver Broncos, right? Or excuse me, against the uh, Dallas Cowboys, where he's actually legitimately taking some shots for a little bit further downfield. The offense is opening up a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, you'll get a passive Teddy Bridgewater that all of a sudden is that guy who has an average depth of target about five or six yards downfield. It's picking, you know, it's Hammond and Hahn and not really doing that much. And it's inconsistent on a week-to-week basis. And the thing about Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he gets the label as game manager. But one of the things about him that, that is not game manager-esque, he does commit a lot of turnover-worthy plays. He will put the ball in harm's way and more than a game manager will. So then when you get this ebb and flow of, all right, really passive attack, then really dynamic, and then really passive again, but those turnover-worthy plays stay the same, you get what this offense is. And so I would agree with all of those points. Like, there's some talent there on the offensive end, but Teddy Bridgewater is not the guy to maximize that like you need with your quarterbacks. No, absolutely not. And then the fact that he just – that he just decided to give up on that play for yeah. Darius Slay, especially with the playoffs going on, Jonathan. I mean, th- listen, we don't think they're going to the playoffs, but the players don't think that way. And to to just let Darius Slay go and get seven as opposed to possibly a stop, forcing a three, or you know maybe something crazy happens, they force a turnover. He goes out and he just lets them go. And what bothered me more was the excuse. Well, we're taught to push the guy toward the outside, so he goes by the sideline. What he did yesterday was stop, caused Alberto to not get to him, and then he allowed the touchdown. How is this? What are we doing here, Teddy Bridgewater? To me, Jonathan, I think that is going to go down, and his legacy as a Broncos quarterback, absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, and then all these things come together, right? Like, with that, and then the fact that we talk about electing to kick a field goal that short that ultimately gets blocked, if you go for it and you convert that and eventually score a touchdown, that touchdown is far less damaging than it would have been, right? If, of course, you get that kick blocked like they did. So I agree with you. Like, yesterday at the end of that game, all of their flaws kind of came together to ultimately lead to a loss. And that defense, too, like you said, well over 200 yards for the Philadelphia Eagles on the ground yesterday. Like, it was a really big problem. So, look, I think we all knew after that 3-0 start they weren't as good as their numbers indicated. Uh, but at the same time, the way that they have been falling down, like that was a game that they should have won against the Philadelphia Eagles, a like-minded team, a similarly power-rated team at home, and that's a bad loss to drop. Jonathan Van Tobel, you watch or listen to Easton, you know who he is, the senior NBA analyst, but obviously doing a lot of work with the NFL as well. Let's talk about tonight's game. I know you were back in, what, the the Niners plus mm-hmm. four at home. The money line, I don't know if anyone's going to back the Niners. They can't win a game at home. It, it's <laughs> absolutely fascinating to me what's going on with this football team. My best bet from this one is Brandon Ayuk over 45 and a half receiving yards. You know, since the bye He said he and Shanahan really had to come to whatever moment. They were screaming at each other. I've seen this thing up to to 50 at this point. So I think that's a pretty good line. He's going to be more involved in the game. 
That's my best bet. What do you like about the Niners to cover this thing at four? So for me, I'm really big on buying low and selling high, right? And how the market handles teams from a, from a power rating perspective. And so if you look at the past few games here, let's just look at this season for the San Francisco 49ers. As you mentioned, like they have been awful at home, but they've also kind of been overvalued at home. We're talking about home games against the Green Bay Packers, Seattle Seahawks, Indianapolis Colts, uh, and, of course, the Arizona Cardinals laying on average of 3.6 points per game. Closing is a favorite in every single one of those games. Now, all of a sudden, we get this terrible performance against the Arizona Cardinals, and the market finally flips and it finally adjusts, right? And that's always what I'm looking for on a week-to-week basis. And sure enough, now we get it, right? A team that had closed as a favorite of over a field goal on average in every single one of their home games this year is now a four-point underdog to the Los Angeles Rams at home. It's a really big swing, especially when you consider the Rams themselves are actually below 500 when it comes to against the spread numbers. They've been overvalued in their own right. So to me, it's just a play on the number and a little bit of value here. You know, if they take care of business last week against Arizona, what you're looking at from a number perspective, that this is not as high as it was when we're talking about four, three and a half in that range. So to me, it's just kind of like a buy low opportunity here on San Francisco. The market's finally made an adjustment on the 49ers, but I think now it's a little bit too strong in the other direction. Any props in there, or is this just a side play, and we're going to leave it at that? No, for me, it's just a side play. You know, I, I like these numbers because I like to play sides like this because I'm really big on, on analyzing the market and how they power rate these teams. It's it's where I feel I have my biggest edge, you know? Yeah, and they can't be – they're not as bad as three and five. To me, this – well, you can't really be a 500 team anymore, but they're more of a four and four to me. And I think that Jimmy Garoppolo – now, they're already talking about – Trey Lance being more involved once he's 100% and he's feeling great. Garoppolo's actually hasn't been bad. He's been efficient, I would say. He's not a big turnover machine, but ultimately, I don't know how much more he can last back there if the team itself starts losing, right? Yeah. And, I mean, you had that loss to the Cardinal. Just a lot of ugly things have happened. So I think on the surface, people look at Jimmy G, say he's awful. The numbers say he's pretty efficient. But ultimately, this team needs a kick in the ass. And and Trey Lance might be that guy sooner than later. And, and to your point, too, right, if you look at a lot of we, – we actually did a segment on this on, on The Edge last week where if you look at some of the, the analytics and other websites that evaluate football teams uh, around, right, like uh, Football Outsiders has their DVOA metric, uh, coming into this weekend, the 49ers, according to them, were the ninth best team in the National Football League. Uh, PFF had them graded as the 11th best team in the National Football League, and yet we're sitting here at, at under 500 with a losing record at home, as we talked about. So there's a lot of numbers out there, EPA per play, all these things that tell you that the 49ers are better than the results that we have seen up to this point. So I don't know if they're that high, right? Like, I don't know if they're the 10th best team in the NFL, but I agree with the overall sentiment. This team is better than the results have shown, and now you're getting them in a role in which they usually aren't as a home underdog. Let's get to the NBA. And before we talk about the Nuggets and the Mavericks, because I kind of feel like we're on the same way. I read your, your breakdown here in the newsletter and then on the, um, on the website. Before we do that, I think there's a lot of people that are new to bettering here in Colorado, obviously. You know, that's why we launched this thing. What are, give me two or three stats that you really look at to handicap an NBA game, maybe player props, sides, totals, what are the things that bettors need to be looking at that are new to betting the NBA? So I'm, I'm very matchup oriented when it comes to the NBA. Like I like my analytics and my numbers, but you know, if team X is poor at defending within four feet of the basket and they're playing team Y, who is very good within four feet of the basket, it's obviously something that I really want to look at, right? Because in the NBA, uh, it doesn't get enough credit. The, the NBA matchups are very matchup oriented on a night to night basis, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that is something that you really want to look at the NBA.com website. I have always said is one of the best statistical websites of all the professional sports in terms of the way they break down their numbers. It's all free and it's all advanced. You can get advanced numbers. You can get areas of the floor. You can get everything you need on the NBA website. So I would definitely start there in terms of that. And I would also look as you're talking about the grand scale, right? And because I'm very big because I, I handicap all, you know, all season, every single game. I'm big on finding teams that are on the verge of either breaking right and letting the water loose because they're playing above their head or the other way around. And I think really looking at things like net rating and point differential will really give you an idea of a team that is playing above its skis a little bit and should probably be on its way down the standings or the other way around. You know, really good, a really good example of that are the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies are a team that actually is the worst in defensive efficiency, bottom 20s in net rating, and has a negative point differential, but they're being priced like they're a really good Western Conference team, and that's not the case. And sure enough, they've lost three straight and failed to cover those three. So I think that's really where I would start at the top. 
So we've got the Nuggets and the Mavericks tonight. I'm seeing this thing between four and a half and five. The last time I checked that Rivers as we, we taped this in the morning, it was Nuggets plus four and a half. The, the role players have really stepped up, and mm -hmm. that's what you need to see behind Jokic. you got Barton, Morris, Michael Green, Aaron Gordon. The, the, here's the shocker. You tell me this. Did you see them being number one in points allowed at 98.3? And do you see this continuing because nobody here in Denver thought this was possible? I think from a defensive standpoint, it's it's legitimate, right? Like, are they going to be this extreme in terms of how good they are? I'm not sure. But are they like a top 10 defensive team? I think so. Nikola Jokic has done a really good job throughout these last few years in his career in terms of slimming down, getting his body ready, getting in better shape. And that's translated on the defensive end of the floor with him out there. We already know how good he is offensively. And he's become really solid on the defensive end of the floor when it comes to tips, passes, right? All of these things have gotten better with him playing defense. So I would say yes. Like, again, you talked about, like, the points allowed per game. Right now in defensive efficiency, they're 103.2, which is fourth in the NBA. So I think they're probably a top 10 team. Are they top five? Maybe not. But I think they're legitimately good. And I'm fascinated by a game like this against the Mavericks, right? Like, we're talking about – and we see the market kind of charge teams, I call it, attacks for playing on the second leg of a back-to-back, -back, yep. which the Denver Nuggets are, and it's usually worth about a point, point and a half. But home court this year is worth about two points as it equates out to this day. So now the number's telling you that this Mavericks team's about three points better than the Denver Nuggets on a neutral court, and that just doesn't make sense to me, right? You know what I mean? Like, And I talk about teams that are played above their skis. If you look at expected wins, the Mavericks, with their net differential at this point right now, have about two and a half extra wins than they really should. So I think this is a Mavericks team that's very overvalued. Like, to me, it would be Nuggets or pass, even on the second leg of a back-to-back. -back. So here, just be upfront with me, the MVP odds. How often do you check these out? Do you yeah, look at them every day, every I'll week? Every week for sure. You know, I'll okay. check them once a week, yeah. So let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. You got Steph Curry in the lead now, plus 275. Durant, Giannis, Luka, plus 800. I'm sitting here looking at Jokic, plus 1600. Now, I don't, if you go back to back, it's not that easy. Giannis did it, obviously. But his field goal percentage is up. His three-point percentage is up. He's helped... The Nuggets just stay afloat while Porter's gone and Murray's gone, and you're not winning an MVP right now. But going forward, should Jokic be in the mix here and this plus 1,600 at least enough to make you consider pulling the trigger? I would say yes. Like, if you look at his statistical output at this right now, like in terms of his net differential individually, which is essentially how he improves his team's net rating when he's on the court, he's at plus 30.4, which is insane. And it's an early part of the season. It's a very short sample size. But it just speaks to how important he's been for the Denver Nuggets, especially when, and you guys will know this up there, you know, uh, their bench has been less than impressive on the offensive end of the floor. It's been pretty bad watching that offense operate when Nikola Jokic is not out there. And then you get the injuries coupled in there, right? Michael Porter Jr. has missed some time with that injury, too. So I think, yes, like if you're talking about 16 to 1, and we have to factor in the human element, right? You mentioned it's hard to win back-to-back -back MVPs. Voters generally find some fatigue. Last season, Giannis statistically actually had a better season in multiple categories than he did either of his MVP years, but he didn't even sniff the award. So you have to factor that in. But I think Jokic, at least right now, has a really solid base to be within that top five. And if you're talking about just the implied probability of 16 to 1 where they're at right now, yeah, I would say that's definitely worth a flyer if you want to get involved in that. All right, buddy. Thank you so much for the time. Jonathan Van Tobel, senior NBA analyst at VEASAN, obviously does all sports. Plug the show real quick before we get you out of here. Uh, the Edge, Monday through Friday with Matt Eumanns. Uh, that's on VSIN, 1 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, I'm terrible with my time conversion, so out there in Denver, I think you'll have to do that on your own. But 1 p.m. Pacific time, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. And then the opening lines, which is our NFL look ahead for the week that's going to be. Uh, Eumanns and I have that every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time. So that was already taped. And then you don't live in mountain time, though. This is the worst. Like, at least you can add three. I'm adding two, yep. one, and subtracting one. Like, all you got to do is add, yep. right? I got to subtract and add, and it's just a disaster out here. And I say we get rid of it, and that's that. Um, next on the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers, going to break down the AFC West myself, the power rankings on that, and another note on Teddy Bridgewater. Stick around here. Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers.
Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. Thanks to JVT for hopping on, talking some NFL and some Nuggets Mavericks coming up tonight. Let's get back into the Broncos, though. And I want to say this again. Last night I'm doing the postgame show, and I'm saying that is not a good play by Teddy Bridgewater doing the old Olay on the Darius Lay touchdown. Okay, I slept on it. I had to sleep on it because I thought at the time, maybe it's okay that Teddy ended up doing that because he wanted to preserve his body. But then the more I think about it, the more I think about that Teddy Bridgewater play, that is a play to me where he just flat out gave up. And maybe he didn't realize that the season was on the line, possibly with that play. But you cannot allow... Darius Slay to get by you without any effort. At least show some effort. Throw a left arm out so it's not your throwing arm. Roll on the ground. Push him. Anything. The excuse that Teddy Bridgewater used was absolutely ridiculous. To force, they're taught to force the defender to run out of bounds or to run outside when in reality he did exactly the opposite. He forced him to run inside, blocked Alberto, and allowed Darius Slay to effectively end the game. Whereas opposed to maybe Bridgewater pushes him, touches him, stops him. I don't know. Dare we say tackle him? Allowing the Broncos to either stay in the game by giving up a field goal or forcing a turnover. It just, uh, that to me was the epitome of of a complete debacle by a quarterback. I don't know if he's going to lose respect in the locker room. There are some former Broncos saying that. I don't know if he's going to. All I know is that this fan base is pissed off, and they should be. So let's look at the bye week here. The bye week is upon us. They've got the Chargers coming back. It's going to be really interesting coming back from the bye, too. Because as bad as it looks, as bad as it looks, they're still 5-5, five and five, and the rest of this division It's not very good. Now, maybe, maybe you could be a little afraid of the Chiefs, who have now won three in a row. But are they really back? We'll get into the Chiefs when I break down the AFC West. But are they really back? I'll talk about it. Six and four. So the Broncos are only one game out. And they only have one loss in the division. They've only played one division game. They lost to the Raiders. So now there really is no margin for error. From here on out, seven teams make the playoffs. If you can go four and three down the stretch, I suppose you'll have an outside shot to to get into the playoffs, to sneak into the playoffs. And I can't believe I'm still talking about the playoffs, but I am because I want a little bit of hope. So the Chiefs up there, Chargers, Raiders, four games coming up against the Chargers uh, and the Raiders, or the Chargers and the Chiefs, and then another game against the Raiders. Five more Divisional games coming up for the Broncos. Preseason, I say to you, would you take five and five? And I think at this point, I would not have taken five and five. I think six and four would have been a nice number because of a lot of us actually thought that the Broncos had the talent to get into the playoffs, that Teddy could be enough of a game manager to allow Gordon, to allow Williams to have big plays on the ground. Terrific skill position players. Jerry Judy's back. Cortland Sutton is back. Tim Patrick has had a great season. Still, again, I, don't, I just don't think Noah Fant's going to turn into the player that a lot of people in the Broncos front office thought he would. But no, I, I don't think I would have taken five and five. Six and four, yes. Five and five, no. And technically, they could still win the division. Okay, I'm going to bring this up just because... It's possible mathematically. They lost at home to the Raiders. They got those five more division games, two against Chiefs, two against Chargers, one at Vegas. But here's the problem. 
six of the last seven games that they have are against teams that are either 500 or better, and then they get the game against the Lions. By the way, is that a layup? Really? This coaching staff, these teams, they were feeling all full of Fanta, which means uh, they were really excited about themselves. Then they went out and laid an egg against the Eagles, who are not a good football team. The Eagles are a bad football team. Jalen Hurts is getting better. I think part of the reason why he's getting better, though, yesterday he faced the Broncos, who I don't think just got a... First of all, the scheme wasn't right. Fangio continually cannot guard or cannot contain an RPO quarterback. And second of all, he was just better at executing than the defense was. So there's some problems here. The three other teams in the division, they have problems too. We'll discuss that next. I'm Holden from VEASAN on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Being a homer has its perks at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. So let's do an AFC West report. We'll be doing this on every Monday because the rest of the division, not far ahead of the Broncos. I'll say this again. There's two teams in the division that have a plus net point ratio. That is the Chiefs at plus 21. They've outscored their opponents by 21. Broncos have outscored their opponents by 17. And somehow, miraculously, the Broncos have still not given up many points, just 183. So for all the complaining that we do about the defense, only the Bills and the Patriots have given up less points than the Broncos have so far this season in the AFC. Wow, that's saying something. Unfortunately, the offense is just abysmal. 200 points for the offense. The Raiders at 210, Chargers 219, 262 for the Chiefs. The only offense is more anemic than the Broncos in the AFC. Houston and Jacksonville. Ugh, you don't want to be in that company. Pittsburgh with noodle arm Ben, Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. Who else? The Jets with Mike White and the Dolphins with Tua. So there are some bad, bad offenses below them. They're in the bottom half in the AFC. Let's talk about the Chiefs for a second. As long as we're going to talk about the AFC West, do they have their swagger back? They were saying it. You know, the third string quarterback with the Chiefs during the film session with Pat Mahomes during the week, <clears throat> he took a YouTube video of a kid in high school a few years ago. And the kid, they asked him about the game after the game. And he goes, hey, we got our swagger back. Well, guess what? That's what the Chiefs used last week. Kelsey has a swagger back. Mahomes has a swagger back. So do they really have their swagger back? This was one game. This was one game. The problem is they really can't play much worse than they did in weeks one through nine. And only be six and four. That's the problem. The problem is they were so bad. They were a they were one of the worst teams, I think, in the NFL. They got they got bailed out by the fact that their talent is so much better than everybody else offensively in that passing game. Mahomes looked like he had his swagger back. 406 yards and five touchdowns against the Raiders. Good pass rush. Got to car last night. They had two sacks and two forced turnovers. You didn't see that happening. They actually stopped the run. Now, the Chiefs still have issues running the football, and that might catch up to them down the line. But as far as the regular season goes, I don't know how much it's going to bother them from here on out. And they've got Dallas next. That'll be a tough game. So if the Chiefs end up losing, they drop to 6-5, and five, and then it's a half-game lead over the Broncos. We're going to find out a lot about the Chiefs and this next game coming up tons about the Chiefs in this next game coming up. So the Chiefs have the Broncos two times, the Raiders one more time, 
the Chargers one more time, and the Chiefs in the division are one and one. The Chargers are two and zero. Oh. One and two for the Raiders, 0 oh and one for the Broncos. Let's get to the Chargers, though, who again have a negative nine point differentiation. 219 points scored, not great. 228 given up. And this is a team that had struggled so much during the run uh, or against the run for most of the season. They actually did not a bad job against Dalvin Cook yesterday, but they lost their five and four. They lost to the Vikings at home. And I use air quotes here if you can't see this because. They really don't have a home field advantage, but the Chargers are now in a free fall. So everybody wants to say, ah, the Broncos stinking up the joint. If the Broncos were playing like the Chargers right now, the Chargers are playing even worse. They have protection breakdowns. They had a lot of missed throws from Herbert. He's kind of gone backwards since the first, since that nice little start they had to the season. Were they four and one? So. Mike Williams has been non-existent. Four catches for 33 yards yesterday. He hasn't gone over 60 yards since week five. Remember that hot start that they had? Mike Williams was the big guy in the passing game. It wasn't Keenan Allen early on. It was Mike Williams having monster games. They're now shading coverage his way. They're now double teaming him. And he hasn't been able to get open as consistently. I told you about the Chargers running game. They're giving up. 155 yards on the ground. And that's the worst in the NFL. Houston, 19 yards less per game. That's how, that's how bad the Chargers run defense has been from the start to right now where we are. But they did a great job on Dalvin Cook. They held Minnesota to 3.1 yards per carry yesterday. The Chargers, though, did they lost the time of possession battle. They were absolutely gassed late. And that's when the Minnesota running game took over. And they don't have a home field advantage, kind of like the Broncos, except the Chargers just lack fans. So where are the Chargers right now? Chargers are in the playoff hunt. I think they're in a better spot right now than the Broncos are. I mean, the Chargers are 2-0 and in the division. That's big. And I put them ahead of the Raiders. I put them ahead of the Broncos, ahead of the Colts. I still put them ahead of the Steelers, right there with the Bengals, ahead of the Browns, ahead of the Dolphins, the Jets, right there with the Patriots. To me, they're a team that'll be battling for the fifth, sixth, seventh spot in the AFC. Some bad losses though right now. And Brandon Staley, who was the golden boy early on, a couple of quizzical decisions there on fourth down, not being as aggressive as usual. And then one time being overly aggressive, bad mistakes. Well, the Chargers start to fall a little bit now and they have been outscored this season. The Raiders, we saw the Raiders. They, they dominated the Broncos. They won by 10 points. And I said this when the Gruden thing happened, that this team is going to be up and down. And I backed them against the Broncos. They look good. But so much has happened to this team that they're going to have their good weeks and bad weeks like any other team. But I feel like it's going to be good weeks and bad weeks on steroids. Like there's just no middle ground here. And it doesn't surprise me that they can go into a tailspin because they're kind of teetering on that tailspin. They put up more than 30 points in back-to-back -back games before that week eight bye. And now they scored 16 points against the Giants and they were completely shut down. They didn't even get to 300 yards against the Chiefs defense. They scored only 14 points, gained 299 total yards. And here's the other thing that was just mind-boggling. And Chris Collins was saying this during the game last night. Why does their defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, go to the cover three scheme when every other team goes with two deep safeties, they take away the deep pass, and then it had completely flummoxed. And I used the word flummoxed. Yes, I did. It was pretty impressive. I must pat myself on the back for that. They were completely, completely flummoxed. And then Bradley comes out. No, oh, no, no, no. Our personnel, we could stop Patrick Mahomes. He's, uh, they, they didn't. How about making an adjustment? Uh, Raiders offense missing Henry Ruggs. He stretched the field. He's not coming back. Deshaun Jackson, he's a burner, but he can't stay on the field and had a horrible fumble last night. Now, they still have a decent pass defense, despite what Mahomes did to him. But the Raiders were 3-0, a lot like the Broncos here. They were 3-0. and 
They were five and two, and now they're five and four. And I think when it comes down to it, if I have to look at this division, obviously it's the Chiefs right now, despite the fact that they got the Cowboys coming up and a ton of division games. I think the standings where they are right now are pretty accurate to what I see going forward. There's a good shot the Broncos leapfrog the Raiders. They're going to have to beat the Raiders head-to-head. But I don't know how many more really good games we're going to see from Vegas. And I just went down a lot of their issues. The Chargers, again, you just can't trust this team. It's like every single game they play comes down to the wire. They can make a stop one week. They can't make a stop the next week. They hit field goals. They miss field goals. They are so up and down. To me, they look like the second, quote-unquote, best team in the division, despite not playing well recently. I'd put the Broncos ahead of the Raiders, though. I really would, despite the fact that the Raiders came out and won that game. Because I'm more down on the Raiders than I am the Broncos going forward. Just complete chaos there. They didn't have a good game plan offensively. They haven't had a good game plan defensively. They've lost two in a row. And they have looked bad. Bad. So ultimately, the Broncos still with a shot to get out of this thing. And make the playoffs. Yes. Does it likely happen? Probably not. But technically, mathematically, statistically, they're absolutely still in this thing. Come back, review yesterday's bets, some final thoughts on the game, and then we'll get out of here on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. This is a betting show here on the Denver CityCast. I'm Holden, and let's review what we had with the Broncos and Eagles. But first, I want to give you my pick tonight. I'm taking the Nuggets plus four and a half on Bet Rivers. So... The Nuggets role players have just been doing a spectacular job. More than anything, though, the defense is what's keeping them in it. They're 9-4, and and they've got the best defense in points per game in the NBA. They're giving up 98.3 points per game. It'll be interesting if this keeps up when Porter comes back and Murray comes back, but it's been amazing. It really has been amazing how this team has completely shifted their identity. You've got Barton... Morris, Jermichael Green, the secondary players, the role players, really playing well. And then there's Jokic, who, despite having to miss a game because he had to push a Morris brother down, he's improved his field goal percentage and his three-point percentage, and this team is five games over 500. They're 8-4 and four with him. They're 1-0 oh without him. I've got the Nuggets plus 4.5 against the Dallas Mavericks reviewing yesterday's bets transparency here. And uh, you know, we had a rough one last week, had a good one this week though. So the line closed with the Eagles and the Broncos. It, it closes a pick them, but I didn't care about that. We wanted the under, uh, the under at 45 and a half. It closed at 44 and a half and it ended up going under on both of those numbers. We had a total of 43 points Now, it was nerve-wracking because 30 of those points came in the first half. The Eagles were up 20-10 to at halftime, and it looked like the Broncos were actually moving the ball in the second quarter. But the Eagles decided to take less of the offense or or to take offense away from Jalen Hurts' arm and shift it to the run game, and it was very productive. The Eagles ran for 214 yards, and a lot of that in the second half, and Their scoring went down, but the Broncos' scoring went down. And again, it comes back to the Gordon fumble, the Slay return, and the Ole play by Teddy Bridgewater. And I thought that might sink us on the total, but we got that one. And then the same game parlay. That was a great bet in in hindsight. Why? Because it actually won. (laughs) That was it. But 
The same game parlay was a Gordon anytime touchdown, Hurts over 47.5 rush yards, and we got that at plus 540 on Bet Rivers. I like a same game parlay from time to time. And, and as far as strategy goes, you could play one of those a week, but I would not put anything more than a quarter unit down on a same game parlay. Because, or, okay, so here, we hit the plus 540 last night. So we can go the next four games without hitting a same game parlay. It's about bankroll too. Keep your bankroll normal. Don't, don't go up and down and up and down. Keep it normal. So a quarter unit here at plus 540, if we keep rolling the quarter units out, we can lose our next four and still have a profit. We obviously don't want to do that, though. But if you're betting multiple same-game parlays per week, I think that's the recipe for losing long-term because you're going to lose these bets more than you win them. There's a reason why you're getting plus money, plus three, four, five, 540, 1,000. You know, some of these same game parlays, guys are throwing eight of them in there hoping to get a lottery ticket, and it doesn't work long term. So again, I'll say this. One a week if you want to do a same game parlay, and we hit it this week. And we'll do another one uh, when we come back and we have the Chargers after the bye week. Uh, some other things here. Hindsight, looking back at it, Jordan Howard over 41 and a half yards. I liked Howard. I didn't take it. He ends up with 83 yards. That whole rushing game went bananas. Hurts over 47 and a half. He had 53. We were on that one in the same game parlay. Javante. Now, this was a heartbreaker because Javante was out there more than Melvin Gordon. And he ended up a half a yard shy of going over his 48 and a half yards. And I don't know anyone that went under that number. And in game, I actually almost hit it at 36 and a half. It jetted up into the high 50s at one point in time. Live betting's a lot of fun. They don't do a live betting tutorial. I love to bet these games while they're going on. But Javante missed going over by half a yard. The Gordon anytime touchdown closed at plus 160. Total points by Denver, total points by the Eagles. Both were set at 22 and a half. Denver with 13, the Eagles with 30. So that was the bet review, the one bet I'll give out tonight. And again, I'm going to be honest with you, it's been a rough sled, rough sledding here on the Nuggets. It's been good on the NFL, very good on the Broncos. It's a great place to come. I'm still going out, getting off to a slow start against the Mavericks. If you do want to tail, I would say nothing more than a half unit because I'm not putting, well, tonight I'm putting a full unit on it, but going forward, you know, I said to myself, maybe we need to cut back a little bit if I'm going to struggle with this. Let's see if we can get on track. One more bet, full unit, Nuggets plus four and a half against the Mavericks. We went 2-0 and on our show plays last week on the Broncos, and things are going well. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at Holden Radio. I'll be back on Wednesday. We'll have our normal guest, Nate Kreckman, Ian St. Clair. We'll talk more about the Broncos here in the bye week. And then dive into the Nuggets a little bit more, too. My kids went to the Avalanche game, and I'd love to give you a breakdown of it because I wasn't there. But, you know, they play with Bernie. They play with the mascot. I guess he tried to eat the ice cream. My son cried. You know, settle down there, guys. Come on, mascots. Be nicer to the kids. Thanks to JVT for hopping on as well. And Steven, our producer. My name is Holden Kushner. I am with VEASAN. And I host the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.